But today we're wrapping up a series called New Beginnings, and it's on the life of Moses, and it's kind of more like on the life of Moses, the people of Israel, and how God is working in the midst of all of this. We have looked at letting go, leaning in, holding on, moving forward, and now today is about finishing well. Last year, I had a genius idea that I wanted to run a marathon, and so I signed up for my first and potential last marathon. We'll see how this goes. And so last year, I prepared for a marathon, and and the goal was to finish the marathon well. Now, when you start training, you don't plan to not finish. Do you know, as I researched this, about 20% of people who start at that start line on marathon day, do not finish that race. That they somehow got to the start line, but they didn't make it to the finish line. And much of that has to do with planning and training and preparation. So for months before I got to that start line, I was running, I was planning, I was training, I was learning how to hydrate properly, fuel properly. I And in my training, I only got up to 20 miles that I ran. So I also knew arriving at that start line, I was going to run that day 6.2 miles farther than I'd ever run in my whole life. But I was trusting that all my planning, all my training was going to get me to that finish line. Well, I can tell you I had two goals for that day. One was finish well, and the other was to finish in under four hours. I finished the race. And I finished it in four hours and three minutes and some change. So I think I can round it down to four hours. That way I don't have to run another one. (laughs) But I remember, uh, if you know the Marine Corps Marathon, right towards the end, you go up this really steep hill. I couldn't even run up it. But I, I walked up this steep hill and then I ran across the finish line with arms held high that I'd completed what I'd set out to do. But just think about your life. Think about what it means for you to finish well. Maybe you're not a runner. Maybe you're not into athletics. But I think all of us have an inborn desire in us to finish well. And what would it look like for you in your life to cross that finish line of life with arms raised high saying, I've completed it and I've finished it well. As we look at the life of Moses Most people remember how it began and how he led the people out of Egypt. But we often don't talk about the ending of his life and how he finished his life. And Moses is a man that finished well. But also, he never entered the land that God promised. He never made it into the promised land. And we'll discover in a minute why that happened. But think about this. For 40 years, Moses lived in Egypt, 40 years in Midian, and 40 years wandering in the wilderness and never being able to enter that promised land, but he still finished well. So what was the reason he couldn't enter the promised land? Well, we discover this um, in Numbers chapter 20. And the event that led up to this, I'll just give you a little bit of background. Uh, Moses chose 12 spies to go in and scout out the land that God had promised them. These 12 spies come back and 10 of them give a bad report and say, no way, there's no possible way we can take this land. Two of them come back, Joshua and Caleb, and say, we can take this land, we can do it. So the nation of Israel went with the majority and said, we can't go take this land. 
There's no possible way we can go in there. And so they chose to back off, and God said, now that generation of people will have to wander in the wilderness for the next 40 years until they die off and will not be able to inherit the land. At this point, Moses, nothing had been said to Moses about going into the land or not going in. Well, as they wander back into the wilderness, the trend continues of complaining and whining And one thing that they need is water. And so they go to Moses and Aaron and say, we need some water. And they're whining about it. And so Moses and Aaron go into the presence of God in the tent of meeting and ask God about this. And God tells Moses and Aaron, I want you to go out and speak to this rock. And when you speak to the rock, water will pour out and the people will have water. So here's where we arrive in Numbers chapter 20. And listen to this. Then he and Aaron, talking about Moses, summoned the people to come and gather at the rock. Listen, you rebels. Great, great encouragement off the the bat. Listen, you rebels, he shouted. Must we bring you water from this rock? Then Moses raised his hand and struck the rock twice with the staff, and water gushed out. So the entire community and their livestock drank their fill. But the Lord said to Moses and Aaron, because you did not trust me enough to demonstrate my holiness to the people of Israel, you will not lead them into the land I'm giving them. Instead of Moses and Aaron speaking to the rock, as, as God had told them to, you can see in this passage that they walk out and they say, must we bring water from this rock? They begin to take credit for it, and instead of God's holiness being demonstrated, they smack the rock, in a sense saying to the people, we're the ones in charge here, but ultimately they aren't. God is. And God said, because you didn't demonstrate my holiness, you will now not be able to enter the land. Imagine what that feeling must have been like for Moses. Forty years in Egypt. 40 years in Midian, and now he's being told there's not one step you're going to take into this land. I think he'd be a little discouraged, disheartened, disillusioned. Nothing is said about how Moses reacts. Nothing is said about positive or negative. And and my guess is that he had watched God's work for so long And he recognized that it wasn't about him. It was about what God was doing. And it was a privilege even to be a part of that. But so how does somebody finish well knowing that they aren't going to enter the land? Well, I believe that Moses started planning for this much before the rock encounter. And the way that he began to plan for this, I believe, is by preparing and apprenticing the next leader of Israel. By preparing and apprenticing the next leader of Israel. If we look at scripture, we can see that Joshua was set aside by Moses to be apprenticed as the next leader of Israel. For my master's degree, I wrote, this is a mouthful, I wrote my thesis on transferring spiritual leadership to the next generation in the local church. And so what I, why I wrote that was simply this. When I looked at many churches that I was encountering, I was watching either a poor transition of leadership from one generation to the next or not transferring leadership, period, from one generation to the next. 
Often, if you think about it in a race, a baton needs to be passed from one race, racer to the other if you're in a relay. If you look at the Olympics and you're in, say, the 4 by 100 relay, one runner runs with that baton. And when they reach a certain area, that baton needs to be passed within that area and handed to the runner. If it's dropped or not done in that space of time, it will not happen and they will be disqualified from the race. And often this is what happens in church leadership and even in business leadership. That the baton is either not passed or dropped. And then we wonder why churches don't go on to thrive from one transition to the next in leadership. And this is so unfortunate. And it's unnecessary. Because I believe if we plan in advance, we do not need to drop the baton and watch this happen. And there should be things that we can find out, maybe practical steps we could do to pass this leadership from one generation or one leader to the next. And here's four different things that Moses did in passing this off to Joshua. First, he was intentional. Moses was intentional about identifying and training Joshua. If we look back on Joshua's life, Joshua was there at the Exodus when they left Egypt. Joshua was there as they crossed the Red Sea. When they began to fight against a certain tribe called the Amalekites, Joshua was one of the ones that was sent into battle as Moses held his staff raised over the nation. And as the nation continued to win in that battle, Moses held his staff out as it went down, they began to lose, and then they propped him up. But Joshua was the one actually on the battlefield fighting. Moses intentionally gave Joshua opportunities. In all the ministries here at the church, at DAC, we want to apprentice people. Because we believe that the best way to develop ministry is not to do it as individuals, but as teams and train people to take responsibility together. And think about this. Every single one of you at some point is going to leave. You're going to leave through death. It's inevitable for all of us. Maybe God will give you a job transfer and you'll move to a different area of the country and you'll leave in that way. Maybe God has positioned you in an area of ministry, but he's saying, I have something else for you in a different area. And if we have prepared and if we have apprenticed somebody alongside us and let them actually experience this and been intentional about this, when God moves us on, there'll be no gap in that transition. Same in other ways of life. Think about your life. If you're looking towards the next, the next leader or the younger generation, we'll never be at a lack for the future. Often we can lament other generations. Well, I wish that generation was different. Well, what if you intentionally invested in other generations? What if you intentionally invested in people who are not currently in those positions of leadership? So first, we have to be intentional. Next, we have to model it. Moses modeled what he wanted from Joshua. And one of the greatest ways he modeled was in the spiritual realm. And there's this old saying that you've probably heard it said, do what I say, not what I do. 
do what I say, not what I do. That is a bad model. In a sense, you're saying, do what comes out of my mouth, but don't watch how I live my life. And people will follow your life more than your words. People will always follow your life more than your words. I find it really difficult, and maybe it's a little bit judgmental of me, but when I go to the doctor, I struggle if I have an obese doctor telling me to eat healthy. I struggle when I watch people telling their children not to talk in a certain way, and they talk in that same way. Because our lives will always model more than what our words say. I have a great proving ground for this. I have four children at home right now, and they model both the good and bad of my life. I can say whatever I want to them, but they are going to follow my life more than my words. For Moses, he modeled what he wanted from Joshua. And in this whole area of following God, he modeled it very clearly. On one occasion in Exodus 24, 13, it says this. So Moses and his assistant Joshua set out and Moses climbed up to the mountain of God. Moses clearly has identified Joshua as his assistant. Or you could replace that with his apprentice. That he's apprenticing Moses and he's taking him right up to the edge of the mountain of God. We also read on another occasion that Moses goes to meet with God in what's called the tent of meeting outside the camp of Israel. And he would meet with God and have these conversations with God. And in Exodus 33, 11, this is what we read. Inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterwards, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Moses invited Joshua into the presence of God to be with him in the presence of God. And if Moses saw God face to face, if Joshua is in the same tent, I imagine that Joshua saw God face to face too. And Moses would leave that tent and Joshua would linger in the presence of God. What a great way to model that spiritual leadership. And this is one reason that during our first gathering here, we actually don't provide childcare. There's a, a few reasons why we went to two gatherings. The first reason a few years ago we did this was we identified that many, many people uh, volunteer in our children's ministry. And thank you for that. And so we looked at it as a way to spiritually care for all the volunteers that helped during our se- second gathering. And so if you do volunteer in the children's ministry and you haven't come to the first gathering, take this as an invitation to do that on those Sundays you volunteer. And so we did it as a level of spiritual care. But we also identified that we want to have families worship together. That we want to be able as older people to model to the younger generations of what it looks like to worship God collectively as a community. I personally don't want my daughter, who's now going to be in fifth grade next year, or actually in sixth grade next year, and out of the children's ministry to walk into church and be like, I've never been in here for one of your gatherings. And I don't know how to connect with this. And I believe that we need to model it together. And so for Nami and I, most Sundays, you'll find our family here not because I'm the pastor, but we want to model to our children of what it looks like to worship as a community. 
And you older people are modeling to the younger generations of what it looks like to worship and be in the presence of God. I remember one moment at a former church I was at, my son Jehu walked in, and he was like super excited to be in worship. He starts clapping and like dancing around a little bit. Yeah, I don't know how to dance. And, and all of a sudden he looked around and he saw nobody else was dancing and he just went. And then you wonder why people don't dance in the church or in our, our culture of a church. It's because we're modeling that. And they're going to pick up more of what we model than what we say we're okay with. So Moses was intentional. He modeled. And third, Moses empowered Joshua. In both Numbers 27 and Deuteronomy 31, there's readings that you can look at and see where God commissions Joshua. That's probably more in a private area. And where Moses publicly commissions Joshua in front of the whole nation and says, I'm empowering you as the next leader of this nation. We read in Numbers 27 these words. So Moses did as the Lord commanded. He presented Joshua to Eliezer, the priest, and the whole community. Moses laid his hands on him and commissioned him to lead the people just as the Lord had commanded through Moses. For Moses to stand in front of the whole community and say, I am placing my hands on and I am empowering this younger leader to take over for me one day takes an incredible amount of humility, forethought, and releasing leadership to the next and newer generations. But Moses did not arrive at that day without knowing Joshua. He knew who Joshua was. He had intentionally invested in him. He had modeled for him what this looked like. And now he was simply saying, I want to empower you to lead. There's a big difference between giving somebody a task to do and empowering them to lead. There's a big difference between giving somebody a task to do and empowering them to lead. And when you give somebody a task to do, they will simply get that done and go home and not think about anything beyond that. But when you empower somebody to lead, they will begin to look more holistically and say, how can I move these things forward? How can I develop what I have been entrusted with? As the senior leader here, I want to have a model of empowering my staff, and I want my staff to empower people to lead. Jen oversees so many areas of ministry. And I don't show up to many of those meetings unless I'm invited or invite myself. But usually I don't invite myself because I trust Jen and what she's doing. And I want to empower her to lead with the giftedness that God has given her. It's not she asks for permission to do a bunch of things. She does a lot of things. And I want to empower her to do those things. Tim leads the youth ministry and I show up on occasion. But I've empowered Tim to lead that because I believe that he is the guy that God has positioned for this season in that area. And he's doing a great job. I've empowered Hector to lead the, the worship here. And I don't micromanage these people and say, you know, I want to control everything. No, I want to empower people and release them to do what God is calling to them to do within the whole area of our mission and vision. But to release people to lead and be empowered. 
There's other people that we're currently empowering and are empowered as volunteers. Wendy, Eric and Joella Little, Mark here, Matthew up in the sound, and more. They've been empowered to lead and develop. And we have to be willing and humble enough to say, I don't want to control, but I want to empower people and release them. And this apprenticing relationship, this passing the baton to Joshua is not theoretical. It's easy to sit down in a room and be like, hmm, this is a great idea. It's not theoretical. It's very practical. And it takes giving responsibility. It takes making movement. It takes intentionality. It takes those moments and empowering people. And ultimately, at one point, if you've apprenticed a new leader right, you need to leave. <laughs> now, don't, understand, don't misunderstand me. This is not one of those messages with a surprise announcement at the end. <laughs> Just getting that out there before I talk about this. But the reality is at some point, all of us are going to leave, as I referenced. Be it through death, be it through job transfer, be it through some other way. We are all temporary residents and participants in what God is doing here. And we need to think about that, that one day all of us are going to leave. In my studies, I came across a lot of different churches, and it seemed like some of the larger churches came up with a better plan for transitioning uh, leadership. And so I came across one in Texas that they identified that they needed to look at raising up a new leader to take over for that current senior pastor. And so they brought somebody in and they were developing them on about a three-year plan to make sure that the transition went smooth. And at the end of three years, the senior pastor decided he didn't want to leave. And so the person who had been apprenticed and prepared became disillusioned and left. And now that same void was there. That same gap was there. Because they, in a sense, the leadership had not said, no, we came up with a plan and we need to continue to transition this on. There's other cases where it has been done well. And that, that baton of leadership has been passed. But unfortunately, that is not the normative for church or even businesses. That, that baton is passed well. Maybe you've seen in a church or a company or personally that dropping of the baton or that holding on too long. And sometimes I think that senior leaders or the C-class, even in organizations, hold on because they just want to make it to retirement where there's no other opportunities. And instead of what's doing best for the organization, they just hold on. And I personally have something built into myself that I believe and I hope I'm self-aware enough that if I come to a point and I recognize that God's mantle of leadership has moved on or if my leadership is not effective here, that I be aware enough to say, you know, what are you saying, God? And I need to leave to allow whatever you want to do next to take over. That takes a lot of humility and faith to even be able to take that risk. But if we're looking towards God's plan, we have to be willing to do that. For Moses, he didn't sign up for another nation to lead them somewhere else. He also didn't go to a different church or, or go to something else. For Moses, the way that he left was through death. And we read in Deuteronomy 34, 1 through 7, that about this. Then Moses went up to Mount Nebo 
And you're probably not going to know all these places. Maybe you are if you uh, know the biblical lands. But um, he went up to Mount Nebo from the plains of Moab and climbed Pishka Peak, which is across from Jericho. And the Lord showed him the whole land from Gilead as far as Dan, all the land of Naphtali, the land of Ephraim and Manasseh, all the land of Judah extending to the Mediterranean Sea, the Negev, the Jordan Valley with Jericho, the city of Palms as far as Zor. Then the Lord said to Moses, This is the land I promised on oath to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob when I said, I will give it to your descendants. I've not allowed, I have now allowed you to see it with your own eyes, but you will not enter the land. So Moses, the servant of the Lord, died there in the land of Moab, just as the Lord had said. The Lord buried him in the valley near Beth Peor in Moab, but to this day no one knows the exact place. Moses was 120 years old when he died, and his eyesight was, eyesight was clear, and he was as strong as ever. Moses left through death, but really God moved him on because his eyesight had not failed, his strength had not been removed, and truly Moses finished well, never entering that land. To finish well, we need to invest ourselves in others. But beyond investing ourselves in people, Moses finished well by staying true to God. There was countless opportunities for Moses to abandon the people, to abandon God, to walk away from his plans. There was times of rebellion, times of mutiny and whatever else. I imagine some days Moses probably woke up and said, I hope that the nation of Israel goes this way into the wilderness and I hope that I go this way. But throughout that whole time, he held on and he stayed true to God. And even when he failed, he came back. And ultimately at the end of his life, he had stayed true to God no matter what had happened to him. Moses finished well. And my prayer is that you would look at your own life and make a decision, make a plan to finish well. So I simply want to ask you two things. One is, what is your plan to finish well? You've probably heard the old saying that if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. <laughs> well, however you want to phrase that, that to have some kind of plan of how you want to finish. Maybe you're looking at your job in retirement and saying, how do I want to finish with my job? Maybe you're looking at a position that you're in, even in the church, and you're saying, you know, I feel God transitioning me. What does it look like to finish well? Maybe you're looking towards the end of your life and saying, what does it look like for me to walk across that finish line or crawl across or whatever with arms raised high saying, I have finished this race well. What is your plan? Do you have a plan? Maybe it's a well thought out diagram plan for some of you who are all you know, engineers or maybe it's like scrawled on the back of the napkin in seven words. Or maybe it's just an idea that you have. But it's worth trying to figure out what is your plan to finish well? And second, make sure that this plan includes God and others. If the plan's all about you, it's a bad plan. Just let's get that out there right away. If the whole plan is about you, it's not a good plan. But how does this plan include ultimately glorifying God and helping others? To leave a legacy, a legacy is bigger than you. And you have to look beyond yourself. Moses finished well. And as you read about Joshua's life, if you go into the book of Joshua and on, you see that Joshua led fearlessly 
into the land that God had promised the nation of Israel. And he honored God throughout his whole life. And the next generation, even after Joshua, honored God. And then after that, it got a little shaky. But clearly we can see that Moses finished well by apprenticing the next and by staying true to God. And my prayer is the same for us, that we would make a choice to finish well. Let's pray. God, may you help us to be people who look towards the future and see how you are moving and how you have positioned us and how you have given us even the ability to make a plan to finish well. God, there's many different things that there's beginnings to many and endings. And God, wherever we are at, whatever season we're in, may we entrust ourselves to you and look towards what it means to cross that finish line with you with arms raised high saying, I have fought that fight. I have finished that race. I've kept the faith and I've finished well. May you help us to do that. In Jesus' name, amen.